1: That I must Are you really Welcome to Diakonia, a call to service. Diakonia is the Greek like word I for service. It's also the root word for deacon. I'm Jim Norman, vicar for deacons of the Archdiocese of Chicago. This is a show dedicated to talking about how the call of service is for all of God's people not just those ordained deacons in the Catholic Church. This year, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the diaconate in the Archdiocese of Chicago. So we're going to take a special look this year. We're going to look back so that we can look forward. And joining me, as always, is Deacon Dave Brincic, Associate Director of the Office of the Diaconate. Hi, Dave. How are you? Hello, Jim. Welcome, everyone. And we've got a very special guest with us here, Father Ed Salman, a previous vicar for deacons of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Several weeks ago, Father Ed and I got together. We had a wonderful lunch and a great conversation. He shared a lot of the rich history of the diaconate in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And we thought it'd be great to have him share that with our audience and give us a perspective uh, then and now. Welcome, Father Ed. How are you? Thank you. Good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. It's our hope today that this will be a a good history lesson, but also that our listeners get a sense of what service means for them and how they can mirror the service that the deacons have tried to provide to the Archdiocese of Chicago over the last 50 years. We'll let uh, Dave begin with a few questions, Father Ed, just so we get to know you a bit more. Welcome, Father Ed. You've been such a uh, beloved uh, vicar for us for many years, and I know a a real friend to our deaconate community. So before we really get into delve into more, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? How long have you been ordained? A little bit about your history.
2: Okay, I grew up on the west side of Chicago in old St. Mel's Parish, it was a very big parish, one of the biggest in the archdiocese at that point, mostly Irish immigrants and first generation and Italian immigrants. I was ordained in 1959, said my first Mass at St. Angeles, and uh, my first assignment was at St. Gabriel's down in Canaryville, and then I went up to Lake Zurich, which at that point was mostly farmland i didn't know we had parishes like that the Archdiocese. diocese it was quite a shock then i worked for five and a half years at saint mark's hispanic ministry then at two parishes in niles uh in ransom and saint isaac jodes and then i became the uh, vicar for the diaconate in between i was also the coordinator for the christian movement which was a lay lay formation movement in the diocese back then so i Took over as victor for the diaconate in 1984.
1: Because of your ministry, Father, uh, and your involvement, you have a unique perspective. I, I think you have some insight into the initial formation of the diaconate in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Okay, because as you know, the diaconate was restored in Vatican as a result of Vatican II. And then it was left up to every bishop's conference whether that nation wanted to be or not. So the United States bishops accepted it in 1968, and Chicago in 1969 began preparing to, to think about the deaconate. At least we were the second diocese, really, to ordain deacons. I think it was Charleston was first; we were second, but the. Cardinal at that time was Cardinal Cody. He was a little bit reluctant. He didn't like to do things that were different. But they had a group of people, the men who were really involved in this, two of our auxiliary bishops, Bishop Dumpsey, Bishop Brady, and uh, Bill Philbin and Jack Ring, two of our priests. Jack Ring was my classmate. He was really named the first director of the academy. So they approached the bishop and sold him on the idea. And then uh, we had to go out and recruit. And my friend Jack included me as part of the recruitment committee because I was involved in the Curseo movement. He said, a lot of your people, a lot of your men are already formed, already, they're already doing ministry, and that'll be a great source of the economic candidates. And he was right. So we went to the parishes, we went to the people. And as you know, we actually recruited a hundred and 48 men to begin training in their first class. They began training in 1970. Were being, They
1: ordained 97 in 1972, and here we are 50 years later. How long did it take you to recruit? You said 142? 148. 148. How long did it take you to recruit 148 men? Well, it was really pretty easy because...
2: There were a lot of priests interested in this, especially in the Hispanic ministry. They had what they called the Hermanos, which was a lay formation group. They were already doing ministry. They had already been involved in parish work. They just went to them. And then they went to, I went to the CEO and got lots of people from that. And then we visited pastors. You know, the recruitment committee, a bunch of priests. We went and talked to guys and some of them were open to it. They looked for good men and,
1: Oh, we did our work. We did our work. Okay. We were that was my on the question. Father, food. how was the reaction of uh, the pastors when you first approached them about, you know, recruiting men for this? Well, you know,
2: most of them had no idea what it was. You know, it was brand new. We had a Solomon. We told them they would be helpful. They would help them. They would be there. They would assist them. They would help to develop the laity, And, uh, Plus, a lot of the pastors were open to different ideas as a result of Vatican II. Some weren't, some never accepted the Mm epitaph, but
1: uh, we were good salesmen. (laughs) And then uh, as as time went on, Father, you found yourself um, to be considered the vicar for deacons of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Can you tell us a little bit, how did that come about?
2: Well, I had worked with deacons in every parish that I was in. I had recruited and I had been working for them. And it happened that in 1984, those that were directing it decided that they had spent enough time doing it and they were going to step aside. And so they needed a new director. And they decided, those that were leaving decided they had been focused on the formation. They said there should be a formation director and then someone to take care of of the deacons after ordination, because now we had 600 deacons. And they weren't really, you know, attended to as much because they were focusing on formation. And so the secretary in the Deacons office happened to be a friend of mine. And she said, you've always worked with deacons. You've uh, been very supportive of this ministry. They need somebody to apply for this because I know you don't want to be a pastor (laughs) because I knew her well. And so the diocese became my parish. I I once told Cardinal George, "He says that's my parish. I have 600 families. They're just spread all over the diocese, and I don't have to work about worry about any buildings or anything like that. I have 600 families." He said, "That's a good way to look at it. That's that's the way I look at it." Wonderful.
1: What were some of the highlights, and uh, maybe what were some of the challenges during that time that you you led the the diaconate in the archdiocese of Chicago? Well, you told me you might ask me that, so I wrote some of them down. Some of the successes
2: were working on these men to have continued education and continued growth, and we still need to do that. Just because they do a couple of years of formation, they still need to grow, and so do the priests. As a matter of fact, we need to do that. One of the things i had to do was re-establish the hispanic training from the formation program because that had been fallen into disuse. uh we established ministry agreements so there'd be some accountability some kind of supervision so that the deacons could don't you know, have some direction and that the parish pastors would also know what they were doing We establish the positions of associate directors and uh Deanery coordinators so that the vicar wouldn't have to be doing anything. And I hope you'll continue that, Jim. You don't have to do it all. And then, of course, there was the involvement of women. The women were not, they were involved in the formation, but after that, not much was done with them. Like the council had no representation of women. Uh, the women weren't involved, you know, on the staffing level. And so we certainly encouraged that and worked on that established the convocation that you have every year st francis day all those activities to build the community you know beyond the formation you know up until then there wasn't any emphasis on the the community and then of course the council supported that and uh, began their growth their their outreach the outreach programs that they have that do so much good today for so many of the programs in the archdiocese and and across the world as well. Now, the challenges, there were plenty of them. First one was to sell the deaconate to the pastors who still didn't want to have deacons. So there were a number of them. We didn't put all the deacons we had, they worked in all the parishes, that's for sure. Another thing was trying to inform the new priests that were coming out, newly ordained. Sometimes there was conflict when they came to a parish because the deacon was already accepted and well-known. And then the new priest, people were coming to the beacon and that created some conflicts. And of course, uh, my biggest job was getting to know the men and, and their wives, And that's gonna be your challenge too. I mean, there were 600, how do you get to know them? How do you know what their strengths are? How do you know what their challenges are? And the biggest thing was always trying to emphasize service, service, it's not about the altar it's not about preaching that's part of our ministry but that's just one part you have to serve the people and find out what the needs are especially the poor and the marginalized that's supposed to be our focus and the worst thing i ever had to do Governor george insisted that with all these deacons we should have beacons in every parish and i told you and you will not resign or retire until you form a program of some sort where you will transfer deacons from one parish to another. Mm. And that was awful. We did it, and I think that uh, after Cardinal George died, fortunately, I think that died too.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Uh, We're getting close to time for a break. When we come back from the break, I'd like to get um, your perspective, Father, today. Uh, If you could give advice to us speak to a 20-year deacon. What would you say to a 20-year deacon uh, related to his ministry and moving forward his faith community? What would you say to a one-year deacon? And I'll selfishly ask when we get back, what would advice would you give to the new vicar of deacons of the Archdiocese of Chicago as it attempts to renew the church? We'll be back in, in just a moment. Okay.
3: my right hand, or at my left, is not for me to give.
0: The refugee resettlement program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The refugee resettlement team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, Call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. This is
3: year 44 for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun, and they get it. I see that light bulb go off, and it's a thrill. People are always amazed. What, what, you're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. <laughs> I love what I do. Every summer, I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations.
1: <laughs> Shape the next generation of leaders, teach. Apply today at artchicago.org schooljobs. At Catholic Charities, we want to remind you that we are here for anyone who is a victim of domestic violence or anyone who has a concern about someone they think may be a victim. Domestic violence affects millions of people each year, both women and men of every race, religion, culture, and economic status. It includes physical, psychological, and emotional abuse inflicted in both subtle and overt ways. The impact on children can be devastating. If you or someone you know are victims of domestic violence and you are looking for a place for healing and recovery, call us at 773-935-3434 in Cook County and 224-430-4977 in Lake County. A safer, happier tomorrow can begin today. To Diakonia, a call to service. We're here with you today delighted and honored to be with Father Ed Salman, Vicar Emeritus for the diaconate in the Archdiocese of Chicago. along with me uh, Deacon Dave Brensick. I'm Deacon Jim Norman, vicar for Deacons of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Uh, before the break, I'd uh, uh, ask Father Ed what advice would he give to a 20-year deacon, a one-year deacon, I'm going to throw in the pastors. as What advice would you give to a pastor uh, right now forming a new parish as relates to relationship with the deacon? And then selfishly, I'll ask, uh, what advice would you give to the new vicar for deacons? But let's start. What advice would you give to a 20-year deacon regarding his
2: ministry? And I'd say make sure you pray. Don't think that now because you've been doing it for 20 years, you've got it down. You've got to continue your formation, your education make sure you take your retreat as often as you can every year if possible at least every couple of years and then listen listen to the people because you have to be the bridge to the pastor and have a good relationship try to develop a relationship with your pastor you should be his right arm but tell him what's going on to make him aware because you're out there on the street he isn't out there he doesn't know what's going on sometimes on the ground level be sure you continue your, your education. It's needed more than ever now. Because now we're dealing with very well-educated people and you need to be at least able to relate to them. And look for ministries outside the parish. Don't be limited to the parish. Look for whatever's going on, shelters, efforts to help the poor, to feed the hungry. Get involved with some of those things and always involve and inform the lay people You're supposed to be a catalyst. You're supposed to form others and call them to ministry. It isn't just about you and your ministry. And to pastors, I tell them, be sure you meet regularly with your deacon. I mean, some of them have no idea what their deacons are doing. Don't meet with them once a year when you're doing their evaluation or they're doing a new ministry agreement. Know what they're doing. And the deacon also in return must tell them what he's doing so that they both can work together. You know, find places where you can use your deacon most effectively and challenge him. Don't let him keep doing the same things. Sometimes something new really invigorates a man after he's been ministering for a while. But, you know, and show him appreciation, thank him. Sometimes, you know, deacons work and they work very hard and very dedicated, but the pastor doesn't even thank them. And i said, and give them a gift for Christmas. It won't kill you, you know? You know, I mean, they work free. They work mm-hmm. for nothing. Acknowledge what they're doing and camp. And, and as for the new vicar, I'd say, you've got one of the greatest jobs that there is, believe me. But the thing is, you have to know your people. Like when I began, like I was saying, you've got a, 600 families out there to get to know the men and women. You get to know the priests, too. Because you know the ones that will work with you and support you. and You'll find out some of the ones that are difficult as well. And then you'll have to help the deacons who are working with them. How to combat clericalism. Because I see that it's always creeping into the church. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for the diaconate to slip into that. Because it is for the priests. Because it seems to be coming back definitely within the priesthood. Mm-hmm. I see that some of our younger priests are becoming much more clerical than they used to be, or we used to be. but so watch for that in the academic area, and not just church people. They are, are supposed to be different. And uh, keep pushing service. Service beyond the altar. Service beyond the church. Be sure to emphasize that because that's the heart of the service. And then, as I told you, read everything you can under the altar. You have to be the expert. Nobody else knows very much about it. It's still a relatively new ministry. You have to be the man who knows
1: to proclaim what it is and to make sure it continues to grow. Thank you for that very wise advice, Dave. Very great question. advice, Father Ed. Uh, you know, what do you see have been the major changes in the last fifty years for the role of deacons in the church? I think when we began, we emphasized that the deaconate
2: was not to be a substitute for priests. I still believe that, but because of the lack of priests, it has definitely become almost a substitute for priests. The deacons are doing more and more liturgical services. They're doing more and more of what the priests used to do. And thank God we have them, I'm not saying that, but they were never meant to be a substitute for the priests. And so the deacons have to remember that, that they have a unique ministry. And their emphasis is, while they're helping the priest with the liturgy and all of that, it's still to be of service to those in need. I think uh, back then we were much more service-oriented. Now it seems to be more focused on church work. And so I think it's up to to you and Jim to keep emphasizing the service. I mean, it isn't the deacons' fault. They're needed. And they are serving well, and we do need them. And I don't have any trouble with that, but keep involving yourself in service. They're much better prepared now than they were back then, much better prepared. Their preparation is much longer, they're better prepared. But sometimes I think, uh, you know, they've lost some of the just simplicity of being with the people. I don't know that that's true because I'm not involved much with the deaconate as you are, but to watch for that. And then I think that uh, they have become much more accepted. They're much more accepted by the priests. For one reason, the priests now know what the deaconate is. And they're definitely accepted by the priests because they need help. They're glad they have them. Many of the men that I used to know who were opposed to it gradually began to say, Hey, I, I, I can use this guy. I can use him all kinds of ways. Why wouldn't I accept him? And I think the people definitely are. In the beginning days, people had no idea what a people was. I mean, we up there, and we who is that guy? What's he doing? Even though we tried to explain to them, even though we had catechesis, you know, there's still what people have no idea. I think they are known and accepted because of the good work that the men that went before them did.
1: Father Ed, you, uh, very early on, you were involved in recruiting deacons. What would you say to men who are listening to us today of why you might consider being a deacon?
2: I think because it definitely, if you're looking for a way to have more meaning in your life, it'll bring you closer to the Lord, it'll bring you closer to the people, Hopefully it will enrich your family. I think the formation that you and your wife will receive will just blossom. It will enrich you in so many ways you couldn't believe. Because you'll you really will grow in your faith, you'll grow in your aware of how to serve people. It will enrich your life far beyond your expectation. It's a hard program, it's difficult, it's demanding, but the return is outstanding. Plus you're almost sure to get into heaven. If you go through all the formation and you put up with the priest, you're sure to go to
3: heaven.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. So do, you, do you think uh, people in the pews know what a deacon is today? Or is it still a matter of education for folks?
2: I think most of them do. Because a lot of people have had contact with a deacon now, either at a funeral or at the cemetery or a baptism. There's much more contact. Uh, I'm sure there are still some people who don't know. You know, there's always going to be some. But the people who go to, the people who are the strength of the parish, who are always there, they know. Because the deacon is part of the staff, he's always there. And hopefully he's an outgoing guy. And he and his wife, they know the people, and the people uh-huh. know them. No, I think it has is, it is improved exponentially. There's no doubt about it. Either. Although we still need to do some catechesis, Always,
1: always. Um, Father Ed, we want to thank you for joining us today. We want to thank you also for your presence at the St. Francis Day Dinner. Uh, we had over 300 uh, people attend. More than that, support the dinner. Through that dinner, the Deacona Council was re- to, able to raise over $30,000, which goes to many of the charitable outreach programs that you talked about. Uh, Hope is on the way, Zacchaeus House, and a number of others, especially helping out at this time where there are natural disasters in Puerto Rico and in Florida. Uh, our deacons are involved in supporting. Um, And for those of of you who are listening, who are interested in supporting the diaconate council, you can always reach out to our office here, 708-366-8900. But I was uh, really overwhelmed by the dinner uh, from the perspective of the first, a new vicar. Um, We had men, uh, um, one man who was there from the class of 1972.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And we had a widow from the class of 72, which I think points to the strength and the integrity of the community, um, if we can keep it together. So we thank you for being here with us uh, today, Father, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back again.
2: Thank you. And that deacon, I was in the parish when he was ordained. He was my first deacon.
1: Wow. Wow. What a story. Yeah, what a blessing. What a blessing he was. And his family was there to celebrate. He had three tables there to celebrate him and to celebrate the 50th anniversary. All those young adults
2: with kids in grammar school when I was there, I knew them all, loved them all. It realizes how many years have gone by, and God has been good. Definitely.
1: All right, well, thank you for joining us again. This is Diaconia a call to service, Deacon Jim Norman, Vicar for Deacons of the Archdiocese of Chicago, along with Dave Brinsick, Associate Director of the Office of the Permanent Diaconate and Father Ed Salmon, uh, Vicar Emeritus. We're delighted that you were able to join us
3: today. God bless. At my right hand or at my left, he is not for me.